A new year, a new opportunity for new focus and a new lens for financial year 2023-24. It all begins. It's July and welcome to the ICB News Channel podcast where we, the ICB, put the lens on many and varied trending topics in the world of bookkeeping and business, finance, HR, ATO compliance, plus much, much more. My name is Rob Marshall and talking of trending... He's always trending. Welcome, Matthew Addison. I haven't been called trendy for a long time, Mr. Marshall. Uh, good, good uh, morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening to wherever you are, whatever time you're listening to this. But welcome, and I'll uh, contemplate what trending for me means. Yeah, I'm just going to qualify that's trending, not trendy. Just by the way, uh, just just quietly. But no, you're always trending. You're. Uh, you're 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 everywhere these days. So um, I, I mentioned that it's a new year and a new opportunity for focus and for a new lens. When, when we talk bookkeeping and bookkeepers, which clearly this podcast is has a major focus on, why what is what is important about a new year? We spend so much talking time talking about, and we will circle back to it in a moment all about end of financial year, but what about start of new financial year? Are there opportunities, do you think, Matthew, for bookkeepers to have some considerations moving into a new financial year? Rob, you you open up a great can of worms because for the next 60 days, what are bookkeepers doing? They are head down. There is so many deadlines that our community is subject to and businesses have to comply with. And we're not just talking getting your BAS returns done for June, right? So monthly's got to be done during the next month. Quarterly's got to be done within the next 60 days if you're using an agent. Uh, but we're talking payroll tax in some states. Mm. We're talking workers' compensation in some states. We're talking end-of-year payroll finalisation. And I'm not going to use the single-touch payroll to finalisation words, Rob, because that will <laughs> open up another can of worms. But... The next 60 days is full on for our community. But right now, the economic times are really interesting for small business as well. Mm-hmm. As we record this, we're 24 hours into the interest rates were not put up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Is that a good sign? Is that a bad sign? Is that just a really soft reaction to the political and economic environment we're in? Uh, it's all a good question. But business is doing it tough at the moment. So 1 July, a new year, it's a great time for our community to sit back for their own businesses, for their own work life and go, do I have too many clients? Do I have not enough clients? Am I actually charging enough? 1 July is a great time to consider um, that rate review. 1 July is a great time to think about your terms of engagement with some businesses you work with. Does that need to look and feel a little bit differently? Do you need to change the expectations for the year ahead? But in terms of business discussions, Rob, um, our webinar that we ran last Friday was talking to bookkeepers about, look, have a look at the profit and loss. Have a look at those accounts that you're using for the BAS and just do a little bit of work and ask some questions of the business owner. What is your next 12 months look like? How well are you going to trade? Are you going to make enough money in the next 12 months to, to actually um, be sustainable? 
be viable, but actually make money for themselves as well. So um, I think, you know, the new year is a great time to ask those questions, um, talk to business about how much money they make, talk to business about repaying their debt levels. Very disturbing report I read this morning that uh, was trying to say that one third of micro businesses owe the tax office more than 80 grand each. Mm. I I think that's a very distorted population base that that report is on because I'm not seeing micros having 80 grand worth of debt. Um, But again, why I raise that is debt management's just key, Rob. It's pointless for us or our our business community to be sitting there with a heap of debt and no vision no plan for how to work with that. So you, you opened up with a great topic. One July is a good time of year to have some good conversations. How are we going to manage this business for the next 12 months? And, and the challenges that are ahead are pretty obvious already, as you've called out. Um, but opening that dialogue is, is really, I think, where bookkeepers have an opportunity, again, as you've said, to... Um, to create some trust also with their uh, their clients because oftentimes, and uh, we're just saying this, uh, this, it's a strange time of the year, July, because this seems to be a, a, a good time for accountants to uh, go on holiday, it appears. Um, many, many accountants choose that opportunity and we uh, celebrate the fact that they deserve a holiday like anybody. Um, so the bookkeeper is very much in, in, the, in the vogue, if that's the word, of a business owner's space and uh, and like you've said, that those opportunities open up and, and we really encourage you. If you're not sure how to go about that um, and, and even even questions outside of dialogue with a, uh, a client, things like should I put my um, bookkeeping rates up, should I um, perhaps consider taking on a partner, all those sorts of things, we can assist you in those. Um, reach out to the ICB and we have ways of being able to assist you through those sort of questions. And in fact, Matthew had a couple of members on our support lines only yesterday asking those very questions. So it is very topical at the moment. We've spent a little bit of time focusing on uh, on the year ahead, which is uh, definitely where we want to go throughout the course of this particular episode of the podcast. But I do want to just circle back, Matthew, just for a few moments to end of financial year and the recent events that we've had. We focused on those in our last episode of the ICB News Channel where we talked a lot about um, end of financial year and certainly the event that we had held in the uh, first couple of days of June, the um, ICB End of Financial Year online seminar. However, well, I want to just call out that there's still opportunity there. We're, we're in July and a lot of what unpacks in for end of financial year actually happens in July. So if you're uh, listening in and certainly if you're a bookkeeper, whether you're uh, perhaps working for an employer or even uh, some of our members who perhaps missed that event, go to www.icb.org.au and uh, you still have the opportunity to tap into um, the, the presentations that we did in early June. Um, you can uh, purchase the ability to see uh, those sessions for another um, three months, in fact, Matthew, to the end of September. So that opportunity is there. And at minimum, I'd recommend that you also go and have a look at the ICB shop where you can purchase the end of year manual. 
uh, which was simply one of the better ones I think we've produced for a number of years now. They're all been very good, but this year was exceptional. And then so if you've got lots of questions still around end of financial year procedure, process, what what is required moving into a new financial year, I'd recommend you go to our um, website, icb.org.au, and you can still engage with the material and the um, information there around that particular event. We also have, uh, all of this, of course, is featured in our June edition of the ICB newsletter, um, our a uh, very, very capable ICB news editor, Simone Emmett, has put together yet another superb newsletter, um, both for members and non-members and for student members. So uh, make sure you go and uh, have a look at all the material contained within there. And we're, we're focusing on that, of course, today. We've done something a little bit different this time, Matthew. We've put the opportunity for Um, members and non-members to engage with a little exercise, a bit like going back to the old style uh, newspapers where you could go and do the crossword or whatever. I don't know if you can still do that anymore, but uh, certainly in our newsletter, the opportunity is there for you to go and test yourself doing an accountant's year-end journal... uh, I'll try that again. An accountant's year-end journal adjustment. Uh, a process that we uh, obviously as bookkeepers often have to do, well, at least once a year anyway. Um, So I'd recommend you go and have a look at that and put yourself to the test. We've got the the option for you to then see the answers. Now, we recommend you probably do the exercise first and then look at the answers and uh, and see how you go with that process. So something a little bit different in this newsletter, Matthew, for people to engage with and we'd encourage them to do that. We also have... Um, an article with some updates that we didn't quite have at the end of financial year, certainly for our event around, uh, in particular, the cents per kilometre um, process that, or not process, but um, legislation that's out there. Um, There has been a change to the cents per kilometre and car cost limit as of the 1st of July. So we'd recommend you go and read that. I'll give you the quick summary, Matthew. Um, As of 2023-24, the rate has increased for the cents per kilometre rate to 85 cents per kilometre, up from 78 cents per kilometre in the 22-23 year. We also discuss car cost limits for depreciation and for the, um, the collection of GST on purchase of vehicles or luxury cars. And again, there's some uh, threshold limits that we would encourage you to go and engage with. Page 15 of the newsletter for those who uh, perhaps haven't got access to that. I'll just call out that with the luxury car, sorry, with the car limit this year, the car limit has increased to $68,108, up from $64,741. And then when we look at the luxury car thresholds, there is an increase again in the 23-24 year for you to be considerate of and there is a call out for luxury cars on whether they're fuel efficient vehicles or other vehicles. So fair bit to unpack when you have the purchase of a vehicle and you're wanting to make a claim, especially around the GST. Obviously, Matthew, we strongly 
uh, recommend, as we do in the newsletter, that for record-keeping purposes, there is an engagement with the accountant also in this conversation um, to make sure that um, the... Uh, the claims that are made and the and the uh, depreciation, especially moving forward, is is handled appropriately and within scope. Any comments there, Matthew, about that? That's uh, just a little bit of an update, I suppose. I need to draw breath. Uh, you were scaring me on that luxury car tax limit there, Rob. But um, but you mentioned the fuel efficient vehicles has, yes. a, has a different set of rules. But look, this gets really complicated. It gets really into the tax income tax side. So working with uh, competent professional registered tax agents is where bookkeepers should go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, refer to pages 14 and 15 of the newsletter before you probably make too many moves in that space without uh, prior knowledge. Another change that's come about, and we did sort of reference this in the last episode, and I'm going to let you uh, have a chance to explain some of this because this has impact quite significantly across the Australian employment market, Matthew, and that's the minimum wage changes as of um, 1 July. Can you perhaps give us a little bit of an insight into what's happened there and how that all comes together? One of those things we were talking about just before, Rob, is what does the next year look like? So for a business, um, have a look at that profit and loss. What was your wage level at? And what you need to build in is the fact that government does uh, regulate increases to the wages. Now, you might not be paying award, you might not be paying minimum wage, but what happens in our environment soon as the Fair Work Commission says minimum wage will go up by 5.75%, Everybody expects a 5.75% increase across the board. And in today's business environment, that's a tough one to deliver. But what, uh, what has been regulated by the Fair Work Commission is an increase in the minimum wage in modern awards, also an increase to award pay scales. They also ratchet up. And your first full pay period that commences on or after 1 July, the new rates apply. So you've got to look at them at the base rate and then you've got to look at them at the overtime rates and the weekend rates. So those full scales are available on both the Fair Work Commission and the Fair Work Ombudsman sites. Have a look at the pay and condition tool and make sure that your software pay rates are updated. Some of our software will do that integration itself. Some of our software needs that manual intervention but also make sure that your allowances and the breakdown for allowances are also adjusted. Um, it is a compliance change. It's something you need to do for your payroll. Um, and then the aligned change is also making sure that super guarantee has gone up to 11% for all super payments yeah. paid um, after what well, on or after 1 July. Yeah, we'll re-emphasise that paid after 1 July. Um, we will also, I just want to circle back to the pay and conditions tool, also known as the PACT. Um, I think that sometimes that's underutilised and certainly we've discovered through the journey of single touch payroll phase two, which we said we wouldn't mention, but we need to mention, um, the use of that PAC tool becomes quite clear and evident, especially with allowances and perhaps scenarios around that that uh, 
we mightn't go too deeply into because it could be a bottomless pit. Um, but uh, certainly and that pack quite, tool. Yeah, yes. you're quite right, Rob. The pack tool is a key one. But as you and I uh, now do with all our member discussions on this one, drill down to the detail. Yeah. So that the tool summarises the rates, but you actually need to go down to the detail where it breaks the rates out as well. Yes, yes. So again, uh, we'd encourage you to um, dive into our ICB newsletter if you need to understand a little bit more about um, those wage increases, those minimum wage changes. Um, and uh, we've certainly got quite a number of references um, that you can also then follow up on in relation to that, including links through to the uh, Fair Work uh, Pack Tool, et cetera. I would uh, strongly recommend that um, if you haven't had a look at any of the articles in our newsletter, I've said it a couple of times now, that you go and consider doing that. Go to icb.org.au and you can download our newsletter, including um, non-member newsletters. And we have got... Uh, or um, no, I can't even claim it. I'm going to circle back to Simone Emmett and our um, team that prepares our newsletter have put together an excellent article on what a bookkeeper should consider when dealing with clients who are about to start a business. And um, there's some really, really great material uh, commencing on page 17 of our newsletter, uh, all about not only what to consider before starting a business, and this is just part, part of a series that we're going to be rolling out over the next uh, uh, short term at least, but also uh, opportunity to dive into a guide to starting a business. So you're, if you are sitting alongside a new startup business, um, all the right places to go, all the right things to get involved with to ensure that that business gets off to the smoothest possible start you can possibly get. Now, Matthew, I, when I read this article, it's, it actually stirred up a lot of emotions of remembering starting my own businesses back in the day. Um, and there's a lot of excitement when you start a new business, when you have a concept, when you have a, a passion, you might say, or a reason why you think you can do something really, really well. But we know the statistics show that quite often without good preparation to starting a new business, more fail than than actually succeed, sadly. In fact, I, I don't know if the stats have changed, but there was a, a, a stat that once uh, was floating around of something like four out of five businesses uh, don't go much further than six to 12 months before they uh, move on and do other things. So what, just give us a little bit of your lens. Um, we'll call out the fact that um, we have a great and very significant association with um, an organisation known as COSBOA. We um, cl clearly have a connection there that uh, you play a part in. From from uh, your point of view or any point of view you'd like to come from, how do you see the starting of a new business and more probably in particular how the bookkeeper plays a role in that? Yeah, Rob, look, I think your comments earlier about, you know, People love going into business. They've got a new idea. They've got a bit of entrepreneurial spirit about it. And they dive in and they dive in really quickly. And what this article is aimed to do is to give our bookkeeper members or to give people that are considering a business based on uh, business.gov.au material, based on some of our own thinking, is to go, look, when you're starting a business, there's some things to think about. 
And those successful businesses, the ones that do really well, are the ones that get the right experts and advice beside them. So tapping people that are in the industry, tapping people that are going to support you to be that entrepreneur, tapping somebody on the shoulder as the right professional certified bookkeeper to assist setting up natural business systems the right way, setting up digital systems, getting your software right, helping you run your business as simply as possible. So this guide to starting business just opens up some of those key questions, key decisions, um, opens up some areas that you need to have asked questions of advisors, be that your bookkeeper, be that tax agents. For our members, Rob, it's you've got some questions you'll be able to answer, but you've got some discussions you should have with a tax agent or accountant that's supporting your business people as well. So this article, to me, it's one where our members should have it in their toolkit. They're talking to somebody who's going into business or just started business. Table it and start talking through each of the dot points. The toolkit bit is a really, really important call-out that you've just made, and that's what we've created here. Um <clears throat> The toolkit bit is I would strongly recommend that you go and at minimum download the latest or the June edition of the newsletter, the ICB newsletter, because contained in this article is multiple links that will create that toolkit type um, environment, including things like being able to have conversations around small business benchmarks, how to calculate the startup costs of a business, um, whether there may be some grants or loans that are applicable for this particular startup business, and then more practical things. So I'm coming from the perspective of your, if you're a bookkeeper working alongside a new business owner, uh, things on <coughs> how to go and, and look at uh, the, uh, the process of creating a business plan. There's business plan templates, uh, how to identify potential risks, uh, even marketing plan templates, how to help the new business owner understand some compliance stuff, uh, things around GST, how to register for GST, how to get an ABN. Those sort of things are all contained within this particular article and, and the article has the links that will take you to all of the tools that will make that process so much more efficient and so much um, more effective for the client that you are with. If you're a small business owner tuning in right now who's just starting your small business, again, we would encourage you to, to reach out to a local bookkeeper, a professional bookkeeper, um, because they are experienced in being able to help you with these processes and use those sort of tools that you may have just heard me talking about. So lots there for not only bookkeepers, um, but also the small business startup as well. I, again, circle back to the how exciting those first sort of few months are, the reality is the excitement can um, very quickly dim if uh, you haven't taken good a good approach to how to create and get a new business started and going. So a really, really exceptional article there, one well worth you having a look at and having a read through. And uh, again, we'd encourage you to do that. I don't see any fingers up from Mr. Addison suggesting he wants to uh, add to that conversation any further. So we shall move on to the next uh, thing that we want to tackle as we move into a, a new financial year. A lot of chatter, a lot of stuff going on. You may, uh, you may or may not be a reader of things going on in the finance world at the moment. 
Um, but certainly a lot of conversation around protecting um, customer information, certainly uh, some, uh, some key people at the moment being questioned around those sort of things. And so we have got an article calling out the importance of protecting customer information. Um, Matthew, take us from there on that particular one. Yeah, thanks, Rob. The Privacy Act is actually under review at the moment and uh, there's a couple of small business exemptions that have really left us. Um, anybody with $3 million turnover or below have been outside the system and that is going to change. So this article is a really good time. Forget the exemption. It's just common sense as well. It is the requirement, the law, that we as bookkeepers, we have secret information. We have information about third parties, about our businesses, that we should not be sharing with anybody. And we've got to go to the nth extent to protect that information. And so... With the law, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, the Privacy Act, the tax officer's own requirements, the tax practitioner's board's requirements of registered agents about the confidentiality of client information. So, you know, a key one, tax file numbers, right? We see them, we're involved in payroll, we get them. You're not allowed to email tax file numbers around. You're not allowed. You've got mm. to encrypt them, or you've got to red act them off documents. So there's various things that we've alluded to here about the behaviour of bookkeepers and behaviours of business. As bookkeepers, where we're acting on behalf of our business, be that our employer or clients. If you're being asked to distribute some information, provide some information about that business. We've got a section there about get written consent. Make sure yeah. you are instructed in writing exactly what you are permitted to give and who you're permitted to give it to. And increasingly, if you are involved in confidential information or personal information about individuals, think of those payrolls. You actually know stuff that even other people in the business should not know. You've got to protect that information. So our newsletter goes through some of that, talks about the tax file number, talks about the Privacy Act review that Institute of Certified Bookkeepers is involved in discussions with the Attorney General's Department, with Treasury, with Department of Finance about what that should look like for small business. Um, our information needs to be protected. Rob, you and I live in a world that so much is now in the cloud it's on a piece of yeah. software. There's information up there. There's questions to ask in this space. How secure is that? Is the platform I'm using actually secure and restricting access to it as well? So the article opens up those questions, gives you some guidance, and rest assured that we are involved in what might come down the track for enhanced obligations upon small business. And it will change. And personally, Rob, I've got to say, it needs to change. We're in a different world yeah. in 2023. Digital records are a thing. Digital interactions are a thing. What is the secure way for us to act in this world? It, it always sort of confused me as to why there was that $3 million line in the sand. I mean, privacy is privacy, I would have thought. So uh, I found, always found that a bit strange, but uh, I know, you might have a, an explanation. I didn't understand. Yeah, it's complex. To, to actually meet the compliance requirements is out of scope for most small businesses. 
You can't afford right. it. You can't afford to yep. engage the expertise. The benchmark was up here. So for a lot of micros, yep. one, you didn't actually have the data. You don't have the data that the Act is trying to prevent. So to then spend all that time trying to understand the requirement to work out you don't have a requirement seems like a waste of time. So the, the mm. exemption was mm. there for good reason, but yep. it does need to be reconsidered in today's world. Glad you've clarified that for me because I've scratched my head on that one for a while, um, but that makes a whole heap of sense now. Having said that, obviously there is some change in that that we need to consider moving forward. So uh, have a look at the article again on our website and in our newsletter. Sort of loosely associated with that is uh, the next topic we want to have a look at and uh, or have, rather have a have a talk about. We can't look at anything in on a podcast, Matthew, but we can certainly talk about it and uh, explain and explore is uh, an article that you can look at if you get the newsletter and that is Mandatory Client Verification. Now, for um, the members of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, um, we've recently held a fairly extensive tech webinar. In fact, we've had sort of a couple of webinars of recent times exploring a change that uh, certainly professional bookkeepers need to be very aware of and have come, has been mentioned on previous podcasts, was coming and is now here. Um, Matthew, the... Um, the client verification process, just, just give us another outline on, on what that actually means. Where a professional bookkeeper is engaging with a new client, we have to be certain we're not being scammed. We've got to be certain we're not be having somebody misrepresent who they are or who they're acting on behalf of. So the tax office and the tax practitioner board require it of registered agents as I called out, I think professional bookkeepers should be doing this anyway. Make sure that you're actually working for an authorised person of a business. Make sure you are actually working for the person who is who they say they are. So what we've got in the uh, newsletter is a republication of the ATO and TPB's minimum requirements, what um, process you should follow to verify that Rob Marshall is Rob Marshall and then that Rob Marshall is authorised to act on behalf of the business that he's wanting you to do the work for. So we go through the proof of identica identification steps. We outline there for you what is required of you. There is a copy there of the Tax Practitioner Board flyer, the one-pager that you can use to say, it's not just you giving the new client a hard time. Here's the government requirement. You are required to prove your identity. Now, notice I keep saying it's new clients. You don't have to go back and prove the identity of your existing client base. It's only for somebody new coming to you. And Robbie, in this day of the privacy issue we've just discussed in terms of proof of identity, one of the important things here is as a professional advisor, as a registered agent, don't take photocopies of driver's licenses. Yeah. Don't take photocopies of passports. Yep. Follow our manual checklist. Note down that you've verified you're comfortable that Rob Marshall is Rob Marshall. Tick, tick the box. Or you can use a software partner that we have uh, got a relationship with called ScanTech 
which does the document verification work online. So you send the potential business a link, they go to a secure website, they interact with that secure website, and you get a report that says, is this who they, here's a photo, is this who you were dealing with? They're a legitimate human being. So it's a good world forward that we've been able to evolve and it's necessary due to the level of scams and misrepresentations that are going on. We've got a lot of information on our website about this now, including the recorded webinar for those who did miss it and would like to go and view it. It's in our tech webinar library. We also have an extensive Q&A that we've put together around this topic for our members to dive into. However, I just want to spin it onto the other side of the coin with this one. We, we've put a lot of focus on the importance for agents to in, to understand what this is all about. Um, the client or we, we've got a lot of small business owners who, who tune into this particular podcast as well, Matthew. From the from the business owner's point of view, this, this is a good thing as well, surely. This is something that will... Uh, tackle a lot of the angst that's around um, use of misinformation and privacy. So uh, I'm hoping that we can sort of include it in spreading the message of why we need to do this from a, a an agent's perspective, from a business owner's perspective. Whilst this might seem onerous or somewhat strange perhaps to start off with, this is a protection me- mechanism as much for them as for the agent in some instances. we Have I got that right? Yeah, the ones I've seen, Rob, is from a business point of view, you've been dealing with a supplier for a while and all of a sudden a new person contacts you. I'm the the new manager for supplier XYZ. Um, I need you to pay our bill to this new bank account. Yes. All of a sudden you're going, well, hang on, or you should be going, hang on, I don't know who you are. I've had no handover from my previous contacts and you're asking me to pay money to a different bank account. Your radar should be up. So that same principle of verification of supplier, um, who you're paying money to, because that's your risk point. On the client side, um, increasingly, if you're having big financial transactions with clients, um, the anti-money laundering, counter-terrorism financing um, law keeps creeping down into smaller business. Um, it's not here yet. Believe me, we're watching it. Um, but your call out's good one, Rob. Businesses should also verify who they're dealing with and uh, is this an authorised person? Yeah, so there's plenty to, plenty to take in there and if it is still a bit confusing, this this process, we'd encourage you to uh, have a look at our site and uh, perhaps it's certainly from a from an ICB member perspective, if you missed that particular tech webinar, uh, we'd encourage you to go and have a look at that. And certainly the engagement for the professional bookkeepers listening in right now to be able to engage with a partner such as ScanTech. Again, there's some... Um, uh, there's some links on our website that you'll be able to follow to find out a little bit more about that. We are drawing to an end on this episode of the ICB News channel, but I did want to just briefly tackle one last thing, unless uh, 
the adjudicator. He, he calls himself the adjudicator. I don't know why, but uh, that's the, the title he's given himself, Mr. Addison. So if the adjudicator adjudicates that he wants to uh, uh, remind me that I've forgotten something else very important in the trending world of bookkeeping right now. But the one I do want to tackle just briefly, Matthew, is uh, our call out on our website and also in our newsletter around a, a lodgement penalty amnesty that the ATO throw up from time to time around Baz Lodgement. It's only a, a window of Baz Lodgement that uh, may be there. Do you want to explain that to the listeners? Look, it's, it's, it's an interesting amnesty period, Rob, where government for some reason has looked at a period of time and said we seem to have a bubble of unlodged forms. We're going to encourage business to actually lodge, get up to date, we won't impose late lodgement penalties, so we'll wipe all those out. Um, the reality is they'll hit your account and then a couple of days later it'll come off your account automatically. So the late lodgement penalties will go. What I'm reading into this one, Rob, is it's an amnesty up till 31 December 2023. I'm worried about 1st of January 2024 and following. <laughs> I actually think this is a line in the sand that is mm -hmm. being being drawn where government is saying to the ATO enough generous, enough soft touches after this date, you will impose late lodgement penalties on business. Yep. Look, I've got to say, Rob, we are on a journey of we should be compliant with lodging, um, lodging forms and then dealing with any outstanding payments via a payment plan or an arrangement with the ATO. But, uh, this to me is a government message saying we'll give you to December, get your act together, um, but after that date, pretty much all bets are off. So that, that date, that 31st of December 23, is where the amnesty ceases, the amnesty period though, just calling it out, is for BASSES between the 1st of December 2019 and the 28th of February 2022. So... As Matthew's mentioned, it's it's a, it's a strange one. So we we're, we want to be really careful to say the amnesty finishes on the 31st of December 2023, but that's not for BASSES not lodged up to that date. It's only for that window of 1st of December 2019 through to the 28th of February 2022. And Rob, you're opening up the the anomaly, which is what about buzzers that were due between 28th of February 22 and 1st yeah. of June 23 yeah. that are still late? Yeah. We all know that the ATO has not had a big stick out on those late lodgement penalties. I'd be surprised if they get imposed, um, but the law is the law. So yeah. what they're leaving open is that um, taxpayers who are clearly non-compliant and not prepared to get compliant they're leaving the ability to find them as much as possible. So I wouldn't get too hung up on that those dates other than get your clients in line. And read page 46 of the ICB newsletter, Matthew, if there are those who are still a little bit unsure about that. And we've also included some ICB commentary in there for people to consider and make sure that uh, in line with what Matthew's just said, um, what other expectations there may be around this. 
Okay, so all good things come to an end. We say that regularly. Uh, adjudicator, is there anything that uh, we have trending in the world of bookkeeping that I may have overlooked or are we, uh, are we done? Oh, look, Rob, I, I am going to call out where we started. It's that time of year. Our head is down. There's lots of work to do. Um, stay rational, stay realistic, stay reasonable and stay professional and look after yourselves. Um, deadlines are deadlines, and if you miss them, you miss them. Um, you've got to look after yourself because being a human is more than the next 60 days of meeting bookkeeping deadlines. I could not think of a better way to finish this episode of the ICB News Channel. This is a, a time of the year where stress and angst can creep in, and uh, I say it on uh, a few occasions, if you miss that last couple of uh, moments, then uh, click on the go back 10 seconds button or whatever it is in your uh, particular app and uh, have a listen to that again. That's great. That's a great call out. Thank you, Matthew Addison, <laughs> the adjudicator we'll go with. Uh, that might be a bit easier to get out. Um, thank you for joining us again on this episode of the ICB News Channel. As always, we want to thank you for tuning in. We hope that some of the information that we have um, provided to you today that is trending in the world of bookkeeping has been um, a good one for you to understand and unpack and we do encourage you to um, unpack the end uh, the start of a new year and uh, uh, in the manner that uh, Matthew just mentioned we look forward to you joining us again very soon on the next episode of the ICB news channel. Bye.